Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh. All right. What's up? Welcome in. GC Live Wednesday episode. We are live. Lots to get to in the South Carolina football world. And then... um, a little bit of basketball talk as well. Could be a big day for South Carolina hoops on both the men and women's front. So I think we're going to get into that a little bit while also reacting to what South Carolina's coordinators had to say about the Kentucky Wildcats upcoming matchup. 7.30 p.m. SEC Network, williams Bryce Stadium this Saturday. Uh, second to last regular season game for South Carolina. Obviously, I'm Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. This is brought to you by our friend Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933 if you're in the market to buy a new home or if you've just been talking about the possibility of buying a new home, call Clint today. He can tell you what um, you know what that might look like, what your uh, you know how much home you can afford, what your monthly payment might look like, all the little intricacies and details that go into all those things. Clint will help you with it. So call him right now, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. Could could this be a basketball-oriented content evening on GamecockCentral.com, Chris? It it certainly sounds like it, man. A couple of big announcements coming up this evening. Eli Ellis out of North Carolina, which Wes, apparently, uh, Eli Ellis, you and I might need to go to a seminar with him to figure out how to grow social media accounts. This guy has about, uh, I think, wait, 750,000 followers on TikTok. Um, and he's got, I don't know, getting up on close to 400,000 on IG. So, uh, but the more important thing probably for South Carolina is he's a pretty good basketball player too. Rated as a top 100 player by the on three industry ranking. He's a guy that our guy, Jamie Shaw and on three, uh, scouted this month um, at a tournament and came away talking a lot about his range and his shooting ability. Wes, that's something we've seen with this year's South Carolina team. It certainly appears that they've upgraded their potential to shoot it from deep. This is a guy that seems to fit that bill too. He's out of Hickory, North Carolina, uh, one of the top point guards in the country, but can certainly step out and shoot it. Would be a nice get for South Carolina. And then, of course, another in-state target for Don Staley. Joyce Edwards out of Camden. Wes, Dawn Staley, you made this point the other day. She has had a run on in-state talent in terms of keeping the talent home. I don't know if that run's really been rivaled by many people in any sport, any state. It's been really unprecedented, and she's trying to continue that going tonight. Yeah, I mean... I think it's about a decade long. Uh, you know, we, we sort of, I, I guess, defer to Chris Wellbaum when it comes to South Carolina women's basketball coverage. He and uh, really he and David Kloniger are the two that have, like, covered the women's basketball beat since the Dawn Staley era began at, at South Carolina. So they are the OGs. I always defer to him on such matters. But um, – you know, I, I can't even remember. I asked him one time who, what, like, when, what was the last in-state recruiting loss? And, and he told me. And, it, I mean, it's it's literally been, like, 10 years. So, yeah. um, now, you know, you're talking about basketball where there's a, a very small amount of scholarships compared to football where, uh, you know, you sign much bigger classes. And uh, it's just different. You can't compare them one-to-one. But still, just to, to win – battle after battle after battle if Dawn Staley wants you to be in her program then uh chances are she she wins those battles and there's been a couple there's been a couple that have been down to the wire it feels like most of them have been just more hey what let, let's not overthink this thing 
<laughs> if I'm an in-state prospect, and I especially these like Midlands area, and then kind of branching out from that, girls, it's like, why would you go anywhere else? Especially, especially now that you've seen what this program is, is capable of. So um, we'll see if that continues today. This one, I, I did. I started doing a little digging maybe in the last week or so, Chris. Um, this one has been much tighter than some of those other ones. I don't know how close the Asia Wilson one was down the stretch. It certainly, from the outside, did feel like there were some other schools, it seems like, namely UConn, that gave Asia Wilson plenty to consider. This one, it feels like, is even tighter than that. Finalists here, LSU and Clemson. And um, I I think at various points, dude, all three have been true contenders, like could have been the choice. So we'll, we'll find out today. She is playing it very close to the vest from what I've heard. And that's not one of those things where, you know, you just say that. Like literally pe- people in the building who you would think might know, they don't actually know at this point. And so there was also a media day today. And um, so several local media outlets have already been over there and did a little preview interview with her. And uh, so I, I saw uh, Lou Bajak with the state. And then it sounded, um, it, was, it was Rick Henry that was asking some of the questions. So they interviewed her. And um, I was watching the video on, on Lou's Twitter just to give full credit there. And she said she has not told any of the three coaches. Oh, boy. There you go. Where, where she's going. Little so, little uh, drama in the women's basketball uh, announcement. It's going to be fun. I like it. Number two prospect in the country, Wes, according to ESPN Hoop Girls for the 2024 class. Yeah, absolute star. She's gone back and forth. Um as the number one and the number two, kind of depending on the the point in her career. So obviously would be another huge get. And when you just talk about, I mean, if you're a local, if you're from the Columbia area, you can't help but think about, wow, pair her up with Malaysia Fulwiley. But just, it goes well beyond that, man. Look at all the other talent that's on this roster. When you kind of branch out, just thinking about uh, beyond the the local girls. Whew. Like, Add, add her to the mix, and you're just talking about continuing to roll this dynasty. And um, if she picks South Carolina, I actually got a little bit of a scouting report on her, so I'll, I'll hold that if uh, if she picks South Carolina, and we'll, we'll dive into that. But, man, um, could be a big day for both those programs. We'll have complete coverage for both of those announcements on GamecockCentral.com. Not a situation where we know – where Joyce Evers is going. Not one of those where we're just winking at you and we already have we already know. I think the home team will leave happy, but I, I don't know. And a lot of people who are close by there don't know either at this point. So I think South Carolina has the momentum um is the way it's it's been described to me. So we'll we'll see what happens there. And uh yeah, complete coverage, Gamecock Central. Also on Gamecock Central, you're going to have coverage of the three coordinators previewing Kentucky. Always interesting to hear what, what these guys have to say about the upcoming opponent. And also look look back a little bit at what just happened since coordinators don't talk on, you know, Saturday through Tuesday. And so uh, let, let's start with dialogue, as we always tend to start there, Chris. Uh, any uh, Any big takeaways that just caught your eye first and foremost? Yeah, I've got one this bigger picture, more philosophical, because I thought it was kind of fascinating. And it, it also hit on something that Spencer Rattler talked about in the post game that I don't think we've gotten to yet, Wes. And that was, you know, there was a lot of conversation about the conditions on Saturday in the game. And I don't know that I'd ever really thought about it this way. Typically in the rain, you kind of think, all right, hey, the ball's wet. You're going to run the football. That's going to be your bread and butter. Dowell Loggins kind of turned that around and said, well, actually, I like throwing the football in the rain because as a DB, it's a tough position to play anyway. We know where we're going on offense. They don't know where we're going. And when it's wet, you're sliding around out there. It's tougher. Wes Spencer Rattler had no problems. And 
he was actually asked about it after the game. I think that was maybe the first question he got was, hey, how was it trying to navigate that? And Spencer, he wasn't trying to, you know, be confident or cocky. I mean, he was, you could tell he's kind of thinking about it and said, well, you know, really, we really didn't have any issues today throwing the ball. And they didn't. I mean, Dowell pointed it out today. I mean, you take out the drops and Spencer was something like 33 of 36, 33 of 37 if you take out those drops. He wasn't inaccurate. He, he It was one of his more accurate games, Wes, even in those conditions. Had Nick Gargiulo on the Garnet Trust Hour on Monday. And uh, I think he might have mentioned this in studio before he went on, but he was like, yeah, the, the ball wasn't wet for Spencer on on Saturday. He he was he was about the only one that didn't seem to have any issues, it seemed like. But So that, that really has nothing to do with Kentucky, Wes. But I just thought it was interesting because – it got me to think about offensive football a little bit differently in that if you've got a quarterback that can handle it um, and can spin it like Spencer Rattler, you can actually use those conditions very much to your advantage. And he did on Saturday. Yeah. Let, he let that thing fly, man. It, it was really just business as usual. Um, by the way, Chris Payne shouting out your, your new beard there, Chris. I appreciate I was, it, Chris. Thank you, man. I was wondering how long it would be before this thing got acknowledged because Chris has been working on this thing. Well, um, I, you know, the work may be over. I'm getting a little tired of it, to be honest with already? you. Already? Yeah. Already? Oh, no. no. You know, I'm not a beard guy, Wes. I'm trying. Yeah. No shave November, man. But yeah. um, anyway, back to back to Loggins. The, um, the, that's an interesting thought because I feel like we all – everybody's just like, oh, it's raining, run the football and punt. You know, it's like they they had no maybe maybe the drops. There's a little, you know, maybe maybe the wet balls involved a little bit in a couple of the drops. Maybe I don't know. I don't know if you even make that excuse, but they did have several drops. But in terms of just Rattler, I mean, it was like literally no effect, and that was. I, mean, I think he probably had two missed throws the entire game, and you know, one was the pick. I, I think he kind of got a guy in his face, and then the other was just like a off the top of my head, a little short, like a short arm towards Leggett. That, um, you know, he makes that throw. What we've seen this year, ninety-eight out of a hundred times, I, I think. So that was just kind of a reminder: hey, he's a human being type situation. But when when Rattler has had time, uh, which has been the case, I think at home far more than it's been anywhere else. Dude, when he's had time, that's just what he's done. And, you know, I, I think the confidence he has as well, so, sometimes when it comes to weather, you can overthink it. And Limbo was talking about that too, that, hey, you're going to have a couple of little, like, teaching points. Hey, let's remind them a little bit extra about ball security. Um, you know, let's – kind of hit on our our main coaching points, but don't overcoach it. And I, I think sometimes just like it's when you're cold, when you're cold outside, if you keep telling yourself how cold you are, you're gonna feel colder. Like there's a mental aspect to it. So if I'm cold, I just tell myself, dude, you're not that cold. Like get get over it. It's not that cold outside. So I, I think there's a mental aspect to not overthinking the weather. And Dow Loggins has taken it even in further than that. And it's, hey, let's take advantage of what is sort of the common thought. Maybe defensive coordinators think you're going to run the football too because of that. Let, let's go throw it around the yard. And and that's what they did. And and certainly, you know, if you take out the drops, man, it would have been – I mean, it was already a huge day, but it would have been an, an even bigger day for Spencer Rattler. Yeah, I, I kept saying, you know, hey, that the conditions, you take those away, that it might have been a – a 60 burger on Vandy and you know you're right Wes I mean it's not like we've never seen drops until rain comes right I mean Nick Carver had a drop Xavier Leggett had a drop Xavier's had I mean his hands have been so much improved from you know the past but that wasn't his first drop of the year and that was kind of a tougher ball where he's trying to run under it you know a Marion Brown had the drop I mean that maybe it wasn't the the conditions you know um Spencer certainly, you know, had, had a big day, uh, no doubt about it. So hard, hard to tell, but definitely didn't affect him. And just kind of another feather in Spencer's cap. But I thought interesting comments uh, 
from Dowell Loggins. Something else that stood out, I think, Wes, he talked about Omega Blake. And Omega Blake's a guy that you think about not only in terms of this season because he's come along to where he's played a role on this team. He's kind of been more present for some games than others in terms of his production. Um, But this is a guy that you you think about in terms of next season. No Xavier Leggett next season. No Marion Brown. You know, you got some guys that are moving on. And so what does his development track look like? And um, Dow Loggins had some good things to say about Omega Blake just in terms of him obviously not being a finished product, um, but that he has twitch. He's He's got really good route running potential. And there's some people in the program, West, that think that Omega Blake has some pro-type potential if he can get there. Again, not saying, hey, Omega Blake, NFL player, but it, there's a ways to go there still. He had a ways to go when he got here, and he had a lot of work to do, and, and he's done that this season, right? He's become more consistent. But uh, some some good words there from, from Loggins on Omega Blake. Will there be a Juice Wells next year? That's – I left him out on purpose to create some intrigue. We'll find out, right? We'll, we'll see. Yeah, uh, we don't know yet. Yeah, we don't know. I, I don't think maybe anybody knows that yet, to be honest with you all. But um, what will be interesting to see how that receiver room grows going into next year, um, you know, both in potential additions, maybe talk about transfer portal, but just in growth among the guys in that room. You know, Omega has sort of it's, – it's been an interesting year for him. There's been times where he stepped right in there and was starting – Nick Harbor has come along and taken some of his reps, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's a confidence builder for him uh, to catch that ball towards, you know, towards the latter part of the game. Um, got open. I mean, he was wide open and and Spencer did what he does and, and put it on him. So, you know, I, I think that was maybe something to keep an eye on moving forward. I, I think trying to see how Harbor comes along, Tyshawn Russell, who, you know, I, I think has been maybe affected a little bit just, reading between the lines with his confidence because of a, a drop or two. And, um, you know, so you want to maybe build that back up in him as well moving forward. So um, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, man, but that receiving room, um, it'll have some questions going into next year. And and some of it starts just here very soon in the offseason. And that's who all will be in that room for South Carolina next season. Let's see. With, with Dow – he he got he got asked the Arkansas question, which, you know, I, I think Dave did his uh, civic duty and, and asked, and you know he I thought he gave it, it, it kind of fell in line, Chris, with what we have seen Loggins do for for every question, and, and that's try to give a sincere, honest answer. Yep. You know, so that that was on brand, you would say, and you know he he didn't he didn't do the thing where you, you just blindly say I would never go back to Arkansas. <laughs> you know, the guy played at Arkansas. He went through all the reasons why. You know that you're going to ask that question. So he he didn't. You know, you maybe want your guy to give a, a just complete denial that it would never happen, but is that sincere either? Mm-hmm. You know that that's not sincere. So, you know, he he didn't say I would never ever coach there again. But you know, gave all the reasons he's happy here. Um, it it doesn't seem like there's anything there, frankly, right now because we don't even we don't even know if Pittman is going to be back <laughs> at, at Arkansas. That's right. Yeah. So it might it might be even more uh, fair to wonder Wes about if the next Arkansas coach tries to, to hire Dow Loggins and Sam Pittman. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think we're, I think you have to ask the question, but I think we're well ahead of ourselves on that even being a discussion. And I, I think Loggins genuinely, you know, likes it here, loves it here. I, I think, uh, you know, he has found a home here. I think he trusts Beamer and, you know, but he, he gave, I I won't even attempt to just paraphrase it to everybody because it was a long, in-depth, um, seemingly heartfelt answer. So y'all can y'all can go watch that on on the YouTube there. But I, I thought it was on brand for for him, Chris. Yeah, it was. And I, Wes, maybe I don't know. We probably won't get away from the. I was gonna maybe 
give a take there that maybe we're going to get away from the coach speak with jobs. We, we probably won't, but we have seen some honest answers from uh, Shane Beamer. I thought gave a good answer, you know, on, on Mississippi state uh, on Tuesday. Loggins had his answer. Dan Lanning, I thought gave a great answer. Uh, the Oregon head coach on Texas A&M. And now Dan get, did go strong. He, he said 0% chance uh, that he would leave for Texas A&M. But the part that I liked that he said, Wes, was, hey, there are some guys that may let that drag out because they are trying to get a raise or trying to, you know, make themselves see, seem more valuable to a place. He said, I'm well taken care of here. I'm happy here. This is where I'm going to be. And he kind of left it at that. And some coaches, even even if they think that, they're going to kind of drag that out a little bit, right? And look, I'm sure Dan Lanning, his representation, is he a Jimmy Sexton guy? I'm not even sure. Probably. Probably. Whoever his agent is, I am sure they are putting his name out on Texas A&M and, and whoever's list that will be coming forward. Um, but he came out and, and just said it. And, and Dow Loggins in a much different way, you know, I, I think did the same thing in terms of the honesty of the answer. So, it, it was cool stuff, and uh, I think you can always count on that. We, we've touched on that here before on the show. You can always kind of count on Dow Loggins to have that type of honesty during a press conference. Going down through the list of things he talked about here, um, a lot more sellers praise as well, just about, you know, he's about all the right things. And I, I really think um, based on what Loggins has said and just what we hear around the program, man, that, that entire quarterback room, like you've got good dudes. They all – you know, Loggins mentioned how they care for each other, they care about each other, how how much he cares about the guys in that room. You know, Spencer has really, I feel like, taken on a, a little bit of a, not just a leadership role, which is obvious with the team, but kind of trying to to help bring those young guys along and, and being there for them as well. So uh, that's been really fun to, to see and, and kind of watch his growth in, in that area. And so I think they feel good about that room, but I, I think everybody – with sellers, I think there's a sense from everybody who probably sees him practice every day, like, hey, this guy can do some things that not many guys in South Carolina's history have really been able to physically do. And so I think they've worked really hard, Dow Loggins has, to kind of try to keep him grounded. You know, I'm sure, like, we've already reached the point where the expectations for sellers, you know, are, are through the roof and, and maybe to the point of, of not being fair already. But, um, you know, I, I think just the way he carries himself, sort of the the nonchalant, the laid back, just kind of – and I don't mean laid back. Sometimes laid back means you're not a go-getter. That That's not the case at all here. Like, there is a competitive drive. Loggins talked about him gaining, you know, 17, 18 pounds of muscle, adding some strength and speed all the different things that are very scary for any defensive coordinator in this state that faced him to think about him being bigger and faster than he was in high school. But just kind of that, I don't really buy into my own press clippings. I don't really, you know, not being a super vocal, loud um, guy. I, I think, um, I think there's a humbleness there with sellers, but I also think it's a humble confidence. I don't think it's, I don't think there's a lack of confidence from, from this kid either. No, there's definitely not. I, I actually went back, Wes, and watched uh, one of South Florence's games last year. I think it was late in the playoffs against AC Flora and Sellers. I was going to say that's the one where he had a whole bunch of touchdowns, but that's all of them. All of them. Yeah. I think he scored like, I don't know, somewhere between six to eight touchdowns in that game. And, uh, you know, it was just when they needed something, he made a throw or he – you know, ran for a touchdown or got him a third down and got 12 yards, whatever it may have been. Um, and you just watch him in that game, and he does have that quiet confidence, but he kind of turns it on, kind of flips a switch at times, and even in games will become kind of more demonstrative. We saw that on Saturday. You know, he he makes the big touchdown run. Everything's kind of just real low-key up until then, runs for the touchdown, then he's sliding into the end zone, and – and all those different things. Maybe, maybe fell. I tend to think it was a an actual, you know, call him safe at home slide uh, out of out of a celebration. But it's kind of like when you said he has the 
just that even keel nature. It's kind of like Joe Burrow, right? Like Joe Burrow, just real any situation, super competitive, but just kind of keeps it calm. Like the heart rate doesn't go up. He's good. All is calm. And man, I mean, you can get it done different ways as a quarterback. We've seen a lot of really high strung quarterbacks that are great competitors. But a guy like that, this calm, we've seen that too and um, can be very successful. It's really hard. I've been very cognizant, Wes, of the fact that any hype that gets out of control on sellers, I think we will probably have contributed to that. And so I'm trying to dial it back. But when you see this guy and what he can do and what's in the toolbox, it's hard not to project like, hey, this guy has so much potential. He could be great. And he will. he's still a freshman. Next year, he'll either be a redshirt freshman or a sophomore. He'll still be very inexperienced. He still will not have not started a game. Um, but man, there's a there's a lot in the toolbox there for Lenoris. For sure, man. So the other thing that I, I thought, you know, is a little bit of interest or, or we're talking about the fact that they have started the same five back to back weeks for the first time the entire year on the offensive line, which that's not a sentence any coordinator ever or head coach ever wants to even be thinking about saying, but but that was the case. That was what happened here for South Carolina. And, you know, I, I got to thinking about that, and there, there's some obvious things there about what that can mean for you. But in my mind, I connected it to something Shane Beamer said on the teleconference. I think this was last week, man, and he was asked about, the number of different things they were doing in the running game and uh, literally the number of types of running plays they were running. And Beamer said, basically, we wished we, we wish we were doing more. And I, it kind of got me thinking that the reason for that almost certainly has to be that there have been, that it's just been musical chairs up front on the offensive line. So it kind of got me wondering if, if if you're going to kind of spark your running game, which let's be honest, South Carolina, need they need a spark there of some type because even against Jacksonville State and Vandy, there just was not the room up front that I, I kind of anticipated there being. Pass pro was, was really, really good this past week. It was great this past week. Running game still, eh, a couple of big long runs. Other than that, not what you wanted. I wonder, Chris, Having the same main five guys, just two weeks in a row now, does that maybe allow for a few little tweaks here and there to run a few different, like t multiple type plays that maybe, and they're not going to tell us that on a Wednesday. This is something you bust out on a Saturday. Right. It, it just makes me wonder if we might see a little bit more diversity in the running game, these final two games. Well, and go back to the game where, more accurately, the half of the game where we said, hey, South Carolina might have finally found their five, and it was that first half against Florida. Then Vershawn Lee goes down, right? And Trey Jones goes down. And so, you know, you move, you move Trey in, so now you have Trey Jones, Trey Ball, and that, Wes, is when we saw – um dialogue and start calling some more gap scheme runs like some, some more power some more counter getting those guards on the move they're able to call more of those and add some i think the word they use was volume the accurate word use you know add some more volume to the run game they were able to do that it seems like they haven't been able to do that quite as much um now they still like i'm looking at mario anderson's chart from pff and this may be a little bit off but they still have him with 18 zone runs against Florida and that has been their bread and butter, but it seems like they wanted to introduce a little bit more of that and felt like they could and add some different things. And then you had two more injuries. So building that continuity, it's been tough. You felt like you had your ideal lineup for, Hey, maybe we found something in the run game that we can go to. And then that got taken away because of the injuries. So yeah, it's definitely uh it's, it's big for your quarterback. It's big for your offensive line for them to have that continuity and that trust and be able to play together. And there's no doubt that's one of the many things that's, you know, played a role in this team, not having the record they want 
Um, they've been very productive at times on offense, other times not so much. And typically, when you look at the games and the situations where they haven't been productive, it's normally gone back to the offensive line. Like last year, you could have pointed to a bunch of things, right? You could sometimes point to the line. A lot of times you could point to turnovers. That was a big problem. You could look at, you know, play calling was dissected. This year, when you look at it, it's normally what has happened up front, and, and that's been kind of the root cause. Yeah, for sure, man. And I, I think you look at just all the things they've dealt with on that side of the ball. Um, there there have been some really good moments at home from the offense from time to time. Just still all those things up front have kept them from fi- finding that consistency that you would really hope to see up front. Um, shout out to my buddy Chase, by the way, on Facebook, a uh, friend of mine. Uh, got Travis Edwards hopping in, a GC Live legend as well um but yeah so chris i i do kind of wonder like what to expect this saturday we talked about this on 107.5 a little bit today how does this game flow like is this is this a low scoring game is this a high scoring game like i, I feel like most games you can you can kind of at least think of like a window to, to how many points are going to be scored this one I, I feel like you kind of go back to last year, South Carolina held Kentucky in check. Um, but they they didn't have Ray Davis. They did have Chris Rodriguez. They did not have their starting quarterback. I mean, I just I don't know if last year tells us a whole lot. Two years ago, very low scoring at, at Williams Bryce Stadium, and South Carolina was able to create some turnovers. They had some plus field position situations where they were not able to score. And, you know, it's kind of a traditional old school feeling SEC football game. And so I, I don't know what watching Kentucky's defense. I feel like that's a talented group, man. Like, I, I don't feel like they're just going to give you much. Like, Carolina will probably have their, like, Leggett's going to make some plays. Spencer Rattler's going to make some plays. But are they going to go up and down the field like they have against, say, Florida? I don't know if that's necessarily uh, what to expect in this game. Well, Shane Beamer pointed out that Kentucky is very much the opposite of Jacksonville State. You know, Jacksonville State, from a uh, schematic standpoint, a lot different. And then just how they administer the offense. Uh, Jacksonville State wanted to go extremely fast. If they could have run 100 plays in that game, didn't quite get there. But if they could have, they would have loved to do that. Uh, go very fast, play with tempo. Kentucky, the opposite. You know, they I think Beamer said they're averaging 58 plays a game. I mean, that's very low. And I think one thing to keep in mind, Wes, you look at their competition. You know, it's been a tale of two halves in terms of the season for Kentucky. First half of the season, frankly, very easy schedule. Back half of the season, very difficult schedule. And their record reflects that. They won just about every game the first half. They've lost just about every game. They've lost four or five. The only team they've beaten is a a poor Mississippi State team. Um, The other teams they played are all really good in terms of the teams that they've lost to. And South Carolina has lost to their fair share of really good teams uh, this year as well when you look at a lot of their losses. The exception would probably be West Florida. That's a game they absolutely should have won at home. Um, But Kentucky's offense – not super explosive. Devin Leary's been up and down. Ray Davis is really good, even though you pointed out, Wes, some of his numbers maybe aren't as high as you would think. And so maybe that speaks to the overall offense. Uh, but I, I think, look, Kentucky, what they're going to want to do is is have one of those slugfests like they've beaten South Carolina in. They want to slow it down, make it ugly, run the football, protect the football, and then make you go up and down the field on beat and beat them. Mark Stoops really harped this week during his Monday press conference on explosive plays. He pointed out multiple times. I mean, that was his biggest descriptor for South Carolina's offense is how explosive they can be with Rattler and Leggett. You can tell that's a big priority for them going into this game. As it should be. I mean, you look at South Carolina, they've been um, reliant on those. They have not been that efficient on offense when they have not had those explosive plays. So, you know, we'll see Kentucky – is kind of a little bit of a keep 
keep it in front of you defense. So I, I think South Carolina is going to have to be willing at times, you know, to, to take the underneath stuff and, and be able to turn it consistently into uh, drives where you can kind of move the football and, and maybe play a little bit against what your MO is on that side of the ball. So anyway, before we move further, going to tell, tell you about our friends at game time. If you do not have tickets for the game on Saturday yet, you can always use our friends at game time. I've got the game time app right here. And basically, just like any other ticket app, it, it is the fastest growing app that's out there. But you pull it up, you type in what you're looking for. And right now, man, a lot of these things, they have this thing called flash deals and you just swipe it and you can unlock it and it's going to give you Boom, I don't know how they do it, 11% off right there from uh, what it was initially asking me. So you can do a flash deal and uh, for South Carolina game or South Carolina Kentucky game or South Carolina Clemson game, uh, just use the Game Time app. And as always, they have the Game Time Guarantee, which is this great thing where you can buy a ticket and you don't have to worry about there being a cheaper ticket elsewhere because if you find a cheaper ticket elsewhere in the same area, um, specifics do apply, so read the fine print. But if you find tickets in the same area for the same game um, and they're cheaper, they're going to refund you 110% of the difference there on Game Time. Uh, so Game Time app, GameTime.co is how you find it. Um, by the way, if you are a GC Live listener or watcher, viewer, but not a GameCockCentral.com reader, we'd love to have you come hang out with us on GameCockCentral.com. And also, we'd love we'd love to send one of you to the game for free as well, Chris. I mean, how cool is this that we've been able through our partnership with our friends over at 107.5, we've been able to give away tickets. I want to say to just about every single game so far, man. So, cool thing is, head on over to the link that I'm putting on all the platforms now. Whether you're listening on Facebook or YouTube, um, hit that link. Put in your name, your email address, and we're going to send one lucky winner, along with a friend, to the South Carolina-Kentucky game. Uh, we'll have that drawing on Thursday. And obviously, uh, when you click on over there, we'd love for you to hang out and check out some of our content as well. Clayton White also spoke. Pete Limbo also spoke. Chris, what did you think uh, about what those two guys had to say? Anything that stood out about? Um, either one of those. Well, it's uh, Pete Limbo's daughter's birthday, so happy birthday to her. That's uh, that's one thing. Um, I thought Pete actually, in seriousness, gave some uh, good stuff on Keenan Nelson Jr. and his and his block, um, his block punt and his touchdown, and using it as a teachable moment to the rest of the roster. Right? Um, he pointed out that a lot of guys when they get to college. They're used to being the man, so they're playing every play, at least on one side of the ball. West, there's a bunch of guys on this roster that, heck, they hardly came off the field in high school. Some of them get here or to another school, um, and they don't play as much at first, or they play a role. You know, Maybe they play in a package. Maybe they're a backup. Maybe they play on special teams, and maybe not on all of the special teams, maybe just on certain uh, ones. And that can be difficult to deal with. Uh, but he pointed out that Keenan's a, a guy that you want a bunch of, you know. And I think what he meant by that, and he, he specifically called out, you know, Spencer Rattler, Xavier Leggett. Like, yes, you need stars on your team. But you also need guys like Keenan Nelson Jr., who right now, you know, Keenan's not a starter. He, he began the season as a starter. But he's been a guy who's spelled some guys at, at the safety position as of late, played nickel. He can play nickel as he did earlier in the season. And then he's been a special teams player for them. And uh, just a, he said, you want a whole room full of those guys because they, they fill very important roles for you and they do it well. And he also, Wes, at the same time pointed out, Hey, here's an example of we've been so close to blocking punts. We did this the exact right way from start to finish. He didn't try to go make a play his own way. He was where he was supposed to be. When he got his chance, he blocked it with great technique. And then that's one of those things like we talked about, Wes. You do things the right way. Sometimes the ball bounces to you, and that's exactly what happened there, and he was able to make a huge play for his team. Yeah, and I, I think um, 
I, I got to imagine those guys within a coaching staff, man, are just as appreciated as your superstars because it, it takes a certain level of commitment to the team and a, a certain level of just a big picture, maybe um, acknowledgement for yourself or, or just big picture kind of, um, hey, I, I'm going to delay my gratification here potentially by putting in the work now that's maybe – you know, we, we see the punt block, obviously, but who who knows how much went into him finally getting that opportunity. And it, the opportunity finally displayed itself for him. And probably because he's done the right thing, which is was part of Limbo's point, he did the right thing as far as being in the right spot and doing his job. And then when the opportunity presented itself, he was in the position to make the play. There may be... He may never be on a punt team again where he gets that exact opportunity. And Vandy guy slips, tries to punt it anyway, and then boom, teach tape technique on the way that he blocked it. He didn't dive for the ball. He took the ball right off of his foot, which is exactly the way we see Limbo and those guys teach it every single open practice that we're at when they do all these little special teams um, drills, that's one of the ones they're doing it every single time. And so he does that, does it perfectly, ball bounces right back up to him, and he gets an awesome moment where he gets to score a touchdown and and celebrate with his teammates. So um, I I think a lot of special teams, and and Limbo talked about this maybe in a greater sense, just football in general, but especially special teams, man. It's about having those guys that are going to be in the right spot and are going to do the right thing um, every single time. And then when that happens, if you do get that opportunity, if the play does come to you, you hope that you're in a spot to to make it and, and finish it off. That's one thing we've talked about all years. South Carolina hasn't always finished off their opportunities on defense or special teams this year. Yeah, it was a theme of the Vandy game, really, Wes. Um, yeah, some drops on offense, but and yeah, some procedural stuff in the first half that kind of, you know, lost you some opportunities. But defensively, offensively, and special teams, everybody made more plays. When you had the opportunities to make plays, you did it. And um, yeah, football, there's some luck involved at times, but generally, um, you can you kind of create your luck, you create your opportunities. Um, and you also are in the right place. You know, if you are in the right place, you can capitalize on those opportunities. And because they did that, they are able to play better complementary football. Another term that we've been talking about a lot, Wes, over the past few weeks, Spencer Rattler broke it out after Saturday's game and talked about how they played complementary football. It'll be critical against Kentucky. It'll be critical against Clemson. A couple games that we all sitting here right now probably think are going to be close games. They're going to be games in which – you're playing two defenses that are pretty good the last couple weeks. A couple offenses that, you know, have some intriguing pieces and some interesting challenges that they present. When you do that, when you play teams like that, when you don't have those, you know, you're not playing a Vandy where you can uh, not bring your best game and play well. Um, maybe you don't bring your best game, but you can still win the game rather. That's not going to be the case this week. Chris, I'm – kind of game within the game, I'm very curious to see what the X's and O's, like what the game plan is for South Carolina's offense against this defense. Because we we obviously, we know Pete Limbo has been here the entire time. Shane Beamer's been here. Clayton White has been here the entire time. And, you know, th- this is pretty much the same Kentucky defense that you're going to, that you've seen um, you know, for the last few years, just as far as their approach and what they want to be and and kind of how they scheme things up. Loggins, I feel like the last couple of weeks, and I know we're getting away from Clayton White and Pete Limbo, but Loggins has done a really good job, I feel like, of using some different motions to do some different things underneath where it's not just your simple, simple basic, hey, quick wide receiver bubble screen that you run – a thousand like you run in high school you know it's there's some nuance tagged to it reminds me i said earlier this week a little bit of some of the things the dolphins do um quick passes to where you're setting it up 
for downfield blocking. And so I think uh, against a heavy zone team and then a South Carolina offense that does not consistently run the ball that well against a pretty big Kentucky front. We talked about that earlier today on the radio. These they have some they have some beef up front, for lack of a better way to say it. So continuing to do some of those things with the underneath passing game, but it not just being your basic quick throws, I think is going to be very very important to to South Carolina's success offensively in this game. Um, going back to the defensive side, going back to some things that the other side, like Clayton White and Pete Limbo had to say, Chris, I, I thought it was kind of interesting that they don't really seem to be feeding into the hype of Ray Davis. It was more, you know, th- this is the, this is what you face in the SEC, big, fast, strong, balanced um, overall running back. But there was no hyperbole on, you know, oh, this is the best back we've seen all year. Um, <laughs> you know, nobody can tackle this guy. It, it was more just like, yeah, we there's respect here, obviously. And, you know, but, but Clayton White said, you, you see running backs like this in the SEC. And um, you, you kind of just have to deal with them, you know? Yeah, and that that is a fascinating point. I hadn't thought about that. And hey, in one in one regard, that's just accurate, right? You're going to play good backs all the time. And I happen to think Ray Davis is probably one of the better ones. But I think this could, Wes, just a theory. This could be a way for Clayton White to be. Hey, guys, we don't need to go out there hanging our head. Ah, oh, Ray Davis is going to run all over us, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you've seen this. You see this every week. You don't play a team that doesn't have a, a capable back. There, there are levels to this. You know, Vandy, Jacksonville State, their guys are not as good as what Kentucky has. And Florida had a couple really, really good backs. Like every, every team you play, most of the teams you play, Cody Schrader. I mean, you know, we're just sitting here, Cody Schrader. I mean, he's an excellent, but he's run all over everybody all year. You've seen guys like this a lot. And so, I think two things. One, it's an accurate statement. You do see really good backs almost every week or every week. And then secondly, a way of saying, hey, since we have seen this before, let's go out there, let's let's play with confidence, and let's do our job. You know, he pointed out, hey, you got to have two to get him down. And you know what? That's probably right. If you're trying to solo tackle Ray Davis all game, he's going to win a lot of those battles, and he's going to win some regardless, I think. Where where do you think he is on the list of backs South Carolina has played? I mean, dude, I I tend to I think the three guys at Tennessee, like <laughs> that that combination they have there. I mean, those guys are all three studs. Um, you know, Schra- Schrader's just like is. Schrader's one of those guys that's underrated because it doesn't look like it doesn't look special or flashy. But then you're like, dang, he he is really good and he's he fits very well with what they're trying to do. Um we saw what Davis did against South Carolina last year against uh, when he was at Vandy. And you know that that was the first time that I was like, dang, this dude is like special. So, I mean, I think he's up there. To Travis's point, to Travis's point here, he there's been some games where Kentucky's running game has really just been shut down. And uh, Alabama completely shut them down. You know, even Mississippi State, they didn't shut them down, but 21 carries for 80 yards and no touchdowns for Ray Davis. You know, you sign for that right now if you're, if you're oh, South yeah. Carolina. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I feel like you would have to watch a lot of tape to really accurately try and rank yeah. the guys South Carolina has faced this year. Well, yeah, you would. And, and look, the, there's so, there's a long list. I mean, Travis is listing off several of them that we could sit here and, and kind of, you can make a case for all of them. Um, 
and I think at Schrader, I mean, Mississippi, Missouri, their their scheme and how well their O-line's playing is a big part of that. And then he is he's awesome. Uh, Ray Davis had a huge game against Florida, and that level of production has not been present at other times this year. That was just an outlier game, but he's capable of doing things like that. Like, you you don't want to be game number two of that. You don't want to leave saying, I gave up 275 to Ray Davis. If you, if you let him, he will take it. That This team is, is capable of doing it. He's capable of doing it. But the point is, this is a little different than, like, Darren McFadden's coming to town, you know, where it's, like, that big of a, of a gap between him and, and everybody else. This is just another really, really good back who can – have a huge day on you and, and probably bigger than some other guys, frankly, that they've played if you don't play him well. So it's going to be a big challenge. Yeah. I, I think it goes back to something I said earlier today, man, you just, you got to make him earn every yard. I know that's a cliche, but you, you got to go do it. Like we saw with Florida, what happens? Like I, I know a lot of the metrics and analytic guys, they start to break it down to yards before contact average and yards after contact. Um, your, your first contact with this guy better be down near the line of scrimmage and not in the second and third levels. And against Florida, which is when he looked, I mean, he looked like a Heisman contender against them. It was that, um, you know, it just felt like he was getting to the next level pretty much untouched. And let's see, I'm sorry, y'all, I'm getting disjointed here because I'm I'm looking up the PFF grades for Kentucky. It's kind of what I suspected, man. They, their, their run grade just overall this year is phenomenal. Their run blocking grade this year is 56.2, which is below average. So, mm. you know, when, when they give him a little bit of room, he's a guy that's, that can do a lot with it. But, just like almost every other back, he can't create something out of literally nothing. So <laughs> if if you play if you play it well up front, if you get off blocks, if you defeat blocks, you've seen you can slow them down. And then that's when, except for maybe a portion of a couple of games, you know, Devin Leary just has not been that guy that I think they thought he was going to be when they went out and got him out of the portal. Yeah, he's definitely been up and down. Um, I think you point to the game that everybody was pointing to was the Tennessee game, right? I mean, he really seemed to take a leap in that game, but he's just been up and down and, and kind of inconsistent, which has been interesting, Wes, because they have had a run game to lean on. You know, it's not – yeah, Ray Davis has, has been – it was a stat line against Vanderbilt and Mississippi State wasn't what it was against, like, Florida, for instance. Um but they have had a run game. It's not like they're getting a yard a carry and then the quarterback's having to do it all and struggling. He he hasn't had the type of year. But, again, this is another guy I point to and say, man, this is a really capable guy. We know Devin Leary has talent, and it's not just an idea. It's not just, well, he's got a good arm, but he's never put it together. He, he was a good player at NC State. He's had his moments at Kentucky. So, again, I'll go back to your cliche, which is, hey, it may be a cliche, but it's accurate. Make him earn it. So, this is a game where South Carolina's defensive front in the, in the situations where you can roll out that Bam Scott, uh, Jerron Willis package, Wes, do a good job against the run so that you can put that package on the field and try to get after the quarterback here. We, we've seen that when South Carolina's had success at in, recently in this rivalry, it's when they've been able to really, really affect the quarterback and limit the run game. The games in which Kentucky – has run the ball effectively, it hasn't been very pretty for South Carolina. Yeah, and I thought they really affected things up front last year, man. I mean, they were able to get into some – you know, K Kentucky, I actually thought went away from the run. If I really try to think back to that game, they outsmarted themselves a little bit in, in that game, but I, I thought there was a good bit of pressure um, that South Carolina was able to apply to the quarterback, and, you know, we'll see if they can keep that going and – I, I feel like every team in the country, their fans don't think they tackle very well. <laughs> South Carolina has had moments this year. They've had games this year where they have not tackled very well. Um, I, I said earlier today, my belief was that 
they're much more of like a middle of the pack tackling team as opposed to being some poor tackling team. Not that this is the end all be all by any means. We we have our our number of issues with PFF here, so um, you know take it for what it's worth. But South Carolina actually among SEC teams, Chris, fifth in the SEC as far as their overall tackling grade on defense. So um, now you break it down. So there's some other areas on here that obviously are, are not pretty for South Carolina. So um, just for some perspective, we, we all know about South Carolina's issues running the football. They're run blocking this year. Run, blo- run blocking grade for South Carolina, 53.3. That's worse in the, that's the worst in the SEC. Um, like I said, Kentucky, 56.2. That is, um, there's so it's South Carolina, Vandy right above them, Kentucky right above them. So, mm. Mm. in some ways, they've just not been able to give the room to run. That I mean, the the year Ray Davis could be having right now, with more consistent blocking, at least from what the analytics tell us, pretty crazy. Let me let me give you one though, Wes. What Go about the year? What about the year Mario Anderson could be having? Yeah, with even better blocking, right? I mean, that's that's something to think about because he's he's done a really good job, and and his presence, the the type of back that he is, has been so critical for South Carolina. You know, to be competitive in these games because you remember earlier in the year. I mean, it's still somewhat the case, but but it's masked by Mario Anderson earlier in the year. It was, well, gosh, it, I mean, it doesn't even matter at running back. Cause you're just not getting any room. There's still plays like that, but Mario Anderson, because he's able to break so many tackles and, and kind of wiggle his way out of there. A lot of times he he's able to kind of mask some of those issues. Lynn weighing in on YouTube. She says, I uh, keep saying Wolfback fans were not upset to see, Larry leave. He was very, cons- he's very inconsistent at NC state. So, uh, and he's kind of been inconsistent this year for Kentucky. So um, of course you're the Gamecocks. You don't want to make this the game where you let him get comfortable and let him start to heat up. And, and then you could really have some problems when that combination gets going, you know, with those two guys. Uh, let's see, you know, going back down through the list of things that were said today, just making sure we hit everything. Um, there was talk about the three, three, five again, that's been a big topic the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, Chris, I'll, I'll be curious to see how much of that we see this week, just because, um, you know, it's, it's a little bit more of a traditional kind of two tight end pro style type offense from Kentucky that doesn't really allow you to run a ton of that. I think on first downs, maybe we see some four, three. Van Martin Scott really has come into his own. That's been fun to see. Fun to see him having success. Um, Lim- Limbo said that he's been very pleased with Jalen Kilgore as a returner. Um, talked about how they've got a lot of – I thought this was kind of interesting. They've got a lot of talented true freshmen on this team, but he was saying how Kilgore's – the difference maker was just how kind of mature he's been as a true freshman which I thought was interesting. And um, he, Chris, was talking about Kentucky's special teams, but I thought this actually completely spoke to Kentucky as a program under Stoops when he said they're a great example of a team that has a plan, has stuck to the plan, has developed their guys, and given themselves a chance to play well week in, week out. I think that's the perfect explanation of the Stoops era to this point. You may not, you may not be a fan of his, you know, you may not like Kentucky. You may not even want to call them a rival or or whatever. They, they've got a plan. They've stuck to it. And they're not, they're not a Georgia by any means, (laughs) but they've at least given themselves a shot where you, you you better be ready when you play Kentucky. No, absolutely. And, you know, two and ten in year one, Wes, two more losing seasons. Didn't look pretty. I mean, 
very nearly got fired, you know, of course. But then 2018, you had the breakout year with the 10-win season, then an 8-win season, another 10-win season in 2021. So, yeah, I mean, it kind of begs the question at a place like Kentucky, I mean, some of their fans want more, and I understand it because you've tasted a little success. Same thing has happened here at various points. You know, Kentucky's not a school you typically think of as, well, they should be winning a championship, right? But Mark Stoops has brought um, consistency to that program. Hasn't always been, you know, uh, a 10-win season, but he's brought some things to them that they've not had before. And this is an era of college football where you don't get long, you know, we and we saw Texas A&M pay an unprecedented amount of money for a football coach to not coach. Um, and that's kind of an outlier. That's a different situation, but that is illustrates where we are now. You, you don't get long. Uh, the days of getting several years to build a program, even if that program hasn't done much in the past, are kind of over. Um, but they've done it there. They've been patient. And I think they've, they've seen that pay off in a lot of ways. Had a question on here about uh, recruits who came in last week, who's coming in this week. Uh, last week really didn't end up proving to be much of a huge week. Um, the next two should be really big. We uh, we hope to have a more complete um, picture on that for you as the week goes on. A couple of big names, though. Uh, Jalen Gilchrist, who's a 2025 big-time offensive tackle, offensive guard, could be either one. Uh, stud that I I think South Carolina Chris is actually in pretty good shape with him early on could uh you know I had an article this week that I it's actually free I'd love for everybody to go check it out talking about how they have continued to get top offensive line targets on campus even after signing that 2023 class landing this 2024 class that will sign you know next month now just getting these guys on campus again uh, I think uh, you know David Sanders was in for Jacksonville State, number one offensive tackle in that class. Um, there's a kid by the name of Isaac Souls. Um, Souls, like S O W E L L. Mike. Yes. Um, he he will be in. And uh, so, well, I I imagine you're going to see some some big names popping up this week, and then certainly next week for Clemson that we'll be able to talk about as the week progresses. Um, Gavin says, who do we likely flip in the 24 class? Well, I, I think, I think Cam Fountain is the guy everybody sort of, sort of should be at least tracking. Right. Yep. I mean, Lewis Solomon was the guy that we were all tracking for that. He has since flipped and Cam Fountain is probably the, the person that, you would maybe give the highest percentage to as far as that goes, right? Yeah, I think so. The Southern Cal commitment, four-star edge out of Atlanta, um, Georgia, and someone that South Carolina, you know, always stayed in touch with after uh, Sterling Lucas did after his summer commitment to Southern Cal. Uh, he's supposed to be on campus this weekend uh, among the visitors. Uh, he's got a great relationship with the staff. And Wes, to me, Seems even more likely he ends up with South Carolina than than he does at Southern Cal, frankly, even though he's still technically committed to them. So we'll see how it plays out this weekend. I think will be an important uh, maybe final straw. We'll see how it goes. But I, I do, from what I hear, like where South Carolina stands with Cam Fountain, which would be another great get for their, for their D-line class. For sure. And um, obviously, uncommitted guy that we've been tracking for quite a long time, Danny Hill, four-star running back from Mississippi. He's somebody just to keep an eye on in general. Um, his announcement date came out um, January 6th. Uh, yes, Mario Anderson does have another year. We, Dude, we got it. <laughs> Our buddy Pascal was like, y'all need to put out an article saying who all has another year. I think we need to make that happen. We do. Uh, we, well, it, it's hard to investigate some of them, but we do We do know Mario has another year if he wants to use yeah, it. Some, some of them, it's – yeah, they have another year. Some of it's they might have another year, but we at least need to get out something on the guys who definitely have another year. And Mario Anderson um, has another year. Josh Simon should have another year. Those are important pieces, man. I, I know we'll have all offseason to talk about that. But transfer portal era, NIL era, important for schools to keep 
their guys like that on the roster. And, and maybe in, in the case of a couple of transfers, to get two years out of them instead of just one. So anyway, all right, we're out of time. Appreciate everybody for joining us. Check out Gamecock Central later tonight. We'll have complete coverage. And um, also, by the way, the uh, the Joyce Edwards thing, there there is coverage on ESPN. They're, the big boy ESPN is going to cut in and have coverage of her announcement. Her her tweet says 545. Um, I know the state newspaper said it was going to be more towards the early earlier in the six hour. So, um, so be on the lookout for that. We will have uh, we will have coverage on Gamecock Central, and um, could like I said, man, could could be a big afternoon, big evening for South Carolina basketball. And then um, Chris Eli Ellis could be hopping on board as well. That one is seven thirty, right? Seven thirty Eastern. Yeah, and that'll be streamed live on the On Three YouTube channel. Is my understanding. So what what you need to do, Wes, to make all this easier, GamecockCentral.com. Just go. Just log just go to GamecockCentral.com, constantly refresh. You'll be caught up on all, all the news. I think that's the way to go. Yeah, they they actually already have um they already have the video, the stream set up on YouTube via on three. So if you go search for it right now. You can already find it. Like the, the link already exists. It'll go live at 7:30. Um, tell you what, while I'm thinking about it, if you are a subscriber to Gamecock Central, I'm gonna go ahead and um throw this on the insiders forum as well. So again, uh Chris Wellbaum, he'll be live from Camden as the number two prospect in the 2024 class. Joyce Edwards makes her much anticipated decision. South Carolina, LSU, or Clemson will all find out together a little bit after 6 p.m. Eastern today. Again, like I said, appreciate y'all. Appreciate you joining us. And uh, for Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see y'all soon. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.